the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to the SpotTrack.com podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester along with Paul Peck and the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. We're talking dead today. It's just dead talk today, Paul. you <laughs> dead. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to do my best to, to, uh, to not be dead. And we're talking dead cap, which is not what happens when your new era hat moves out of your rotation. But hey, a bump. Hey, do we, we got to send him a bill now. We just gave him a plug. No. Yeah. Actually, they should right. do spot track caps. New Era should. Anyway, yes, they could. Maybe we know somebody. Yeah. All right. Anyway, you were. So we're going to talk dead cap. Though, dead cap, right? NFL dead cap and kind of a, a guide to the dead cap, Mike, that you put together here, and it's a pretty comprehensive guide at SpotTrack.com. Yeah, we uh, we always take a little time this year to sort of break down what this means because it's really the the consequence of a lot of events that happen in the NFL this time of year, right? We're at that point where. The offseason's ramping up. Teams are starting to figure out what they're going to be for 2018, right? And free agencies are around the corner. So what does that mean? It means guys are getting cut. It means guys are getting traded, even though they can't be traded until March 14th. Let's just make that clear again. <laughs> and guys are getting restructured, right? So a lot of these contracts that exist, if they're going to stay long-term or stay through 2018, money's getting moved around for cap purposes because teams are in cap trouble right now heading towards free agency, to be honest. So dead cap is really the outer line theme with all of this. And really what I want to do is just take a few minutes and just outline what that means and then kind of break down the different scenarios of dead cap because there's a lot that goes with it. There's a lot that happens that incurs dead cap to a team. And we'll talk about what that means. And basically what it is is money being owed to players who are no longer on your team. And and almost every team has it. Is there an acceptable amount that a team kind of is always going to have? There's, I mean, they're going to have some. Some is the is the right word. There, there are philosophies within a team, within a front office, right? GMs sort of know they each have a cap alignment in terms of what they will allow themselves. And really, what that means is, it is how do they structure their contracts, right? Some some teams structure contracts with big signing bonuses. When you do that, dead cap is going to be a part of your your experience. It just is. That's just the way it works. Some teams guarantee salaries. You're, you're probably going to have less dead cap if you're guaranteeing salaries because generally speaking, if, if a salary is guaranteed, that player's playing on that salary. He's not going to be cut. He could be traded, which again, no dead cap to the team, um, as we'll talk about here. But yeah, there, there's two elements of dead cap, right? When we just kind of talked about it there. There's the cash side, which is the salary guaranteed. And then there's the cap side, which is I give you a signing bonus, but for cap purposes, that signing bonus becomes a divided cap throughout the years of the contract. So a 10-year signing bonus in a five-year contract accounts for $2 $10 million. million signing bonus. Sorry, a $10 million signing bonus. So you get a bad agent if you're yeah, doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so $2 million per year over a five-year contract. Right, and if the player only plays three years, then the remaining $4 million of that signing bonus accelerates into the cap and becomes dead money. That's right. So, that, so that's what we're talking about here. There, there, are, there are ways to accrue dead cap and we're going to talk about them a little bit here one is obviously the signing bonus as we just spoke about right the most common one a player gets a nice big signing bonus it spreads across the the contract he gets released halfway through which he knows right it, for the most yeah. part we'll talk about that next week okay actually. all right <laughs> yeah, okay right. and, and the bottom line know, right the, the bottom line in all of this is is the fact that the contracts that get signed almost never actually are go to their fruition which then obviously creates the dead cap there's there's a, a practical side to every contract, right? There's a, there's a cash flow that and, and a potential out for all of these contracts that sort of exists. And the GM knows it when he when he des- designs it. 
and the player and the agent know it when they pen the autograph on it, right? So the dead cap is essentially known right from the start. It's a part of the element of the contract. So like I said, the GMs sort of know all, all the players on the roster in terms of the dead cap allocation. And for some teams, that means a lot, as we'll talk about in a few minutes. And for some teams, that means almost nothing because of the way they structure deals and the way they handle contracts year by year. So the, the next element, which is a big deal right now, and you'll see it every single day on SpotTrack, when, when, a, when a contractor is restructured, generally what happens is a, a base salary or a nice big roster bonus that exists this year is being converted to a signing bonus. So what are we saying? If it's a $10 million base salary and there's four, million, four, four years left on that contract, the team's going to say, all right, we'll bump that down to you know, $1 million even $9 million left. We're going to take $9 million, make it a signing bonus, and we're going to spread that across the remaining four years. So you save yourself a good chunk of money in this year's cap. But what happens to that $9 million, right? Now it's, now it's a guaranteed signing bonus, right? It's no longer just the salary sitting on the cap. It's $9 million that turns into dead cap over the four years of the contract. So every time you see a restructure, what you're seeing is more dead cap added to that contract. And that's usually for a team a way for a team to give themselves more salary cap room this year and essentially you're also banking on the cap going up in ensuing years so that the dead money is a smaller percentage and it's almost like you're it's it's almost like you're willing to pay that fee in order to buy what you want to buy now. I think it's just uh, you're putting off the colonoscopy for 6 months <laughs> or a year, right? Like or a couple of years from now. So so <laughs> I like Paul's example better. It's funny. So do I. It's funny though, right? Because we, in some instances, yes, it's, it is a, you know, fix our problem now, but no, we're going to have a bigger one later. Right. But really that, that, that was the problem four years ago. Right. And there are teams that we'll talk about that continually had to do this because they were in cap trouble. They had to move money around just to get themselves stable for, you know, the new league year for free agency. Just not, not a lot, not a lot signing new players. It was, we can't even get ourselves into the new league year. Because was it mostly we're... teams that felt like they were on the brink of being able to win? Maybe. I mean, maybe that was part of it, that they needed they, they needed to fill a couple of holes because they were in a position to win and they had to move some money around. But really, what we're seeing now more and more is the, the contract is structured right out of the gate knowing there's going to be a restructure in the second year, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we're going to build a ton of cash into year two, and we're going to build a little bit more cash into year three. But that year two... We're going to take that big roster bonus we, that we put there, and it's always going to be another signing bonus, right? It's going to be – so we'll put a small bo- signing bonus up front. Then we'll put a nice big roster bonus in the second year, and that roster bonus is going to convert to another signing bonus. So the cap is going to get moved around. But like I said, that's that's already assumed at the very start of the contract. So This again, sounds like me trying to pay my credit card bills every month. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, just do it, right? Which one am I going to do? Yeah. How much do I owe? Where do I sign? No. Uh, yeah, but we're seeing a smarter structure is what, really what I'm getting at in terms of these restructures. It's less about we're in trouble. we got to move some money around. Now, look, at we still see that. We're going to see it with Pittsburgh here again in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, We're still seeing it with a couple of teams, Carolina right now. Um, there, there's teams that still need to do that. And, and, you know, when push comes to shove, it's still fine to do it, you know, but like I said, whenever you see the word restructure with a contract, almost always you're, you're seeing additional dead cap added to a contract. So not really a good thing, but in terms of dead cap, that's, that's sort of how the, uh, how, how things work in terms of moving down the contract. So the, the other element here is the trade, because there, there's a big difference in dead cap be, between a trade and a release, Right. If a player is released, just outright released, anything 
unallocated in terms of the signing bonus and 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 option bonuses and things like that are going to hit the cap. That's that's always going to be the case, no matter what happens. Just in that year, that year for immediately it hits. We'll talk about that. Okay, <laughs> there's a little bit more complications with All that right. too. But if a player is released, dead cap is dead cap for that team. If a player is traded, we talked about the two elements: cash versus cap, right? If a player is traded, like for instance, let's take Marcus Peters. He was just traded, right? His $1.7 million salary on that rookie contract is guaranteed. But the Chiefs don't have to pay that anymore. That salary moves the to the Rams. The new team accepts that That's right. salary. That's a cash payment that hasn't been paid. It's going to be paid in 2018. So that moves to the Rams. So that's not no longer the Chiefs' dead cap. The dead cap for the Chiefs is the $1.3 million signing bonus allocation that came from his original signing bonus four years ago. So it splits, right? The, the guaranteed salary goes to the new team. The unallocated signing bonus stays with the Chiefs, and everybody kind of goes their way. That's why, in terms of dead cap, the trade is always the better angle, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. there's, it's a way for you to take on less dead cap and still get the player off. Which is why roster. we're starting to see more of them. No question. It's it's a it's become a more popular voice because, and really, it's 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 how you structure the contract again, right? Because if you can if you can structure the salaries in a tradable fashion, right? You you got to make the contract tradable. You can't have. Twenty-five million dollar base salaries, like we've seen with, or no one's going to want, right? Like in Damaku Sue, right? They might want the player, but (laughs) they but they won't take the player because the contract. That's right. So it's about how you structure it out of the gate, like we've talked about, because you don't want to get yourself in a position where you have to restructure two, two, three times in a contract because of high base salaries that makes the player completely untradeable. Trading is always a better way to handle dead cap going forward. So, like I said, there's a difference there. Um, and, and really what I've done in my report here on spotrate.com today is I've given the ultimate dead cap example over the past couple of years, right? The Brock Osweiler contract in Houston. Which, this, this is incredible. Yeah. It's, I mean, really the forward process on the entire thing was, is even crazier than the, the contract itself. The, the contract on, on paper is fine. I mean, if you're looking for a starting quarterback and you think he's the guy, 18 million a year, you know, four years, 72 million is Fine, it's pretty average. I mean, we'll talk about an eighteen million dollar quarterback in a couple of minutes here, anyway. But, but listen, <laughs> it was shocking that Brock Osweiler it, got that. It was shocking because I don't think we've seen a free a, a, an unproven, a younger, unproven a, a, right. free agent sort of be thrown into a starting role, which yeah. dictated you know I mean? the lack of market, which dictated that they were desperate for one, so they were willing to pay for one. Timing's everything. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when we didn't have the rookie wage scale. And these college kids came out. Matthew Stafford comes out, right? He's making $60 million guaranteed without ever playing a snap in the NFL, right? That's where we used to be before the rookie wage scale existed. So that's sort of, I think, the dichotomy that Osweiler got when he hit the market. And Denver said no. Um, so, so long story short, Osweiler got $37 million guaranteed, right? Right out of the gate. Fully guaranteed at signing. Half that deal was guaranteed. Um, and that came in the form of a $12 million signing bonus. So in terms of the dead cap... Right, he played one year, so three million of that twelve million dollar bonus hit the hit the cap. So Houston was left with nine million in dead cap in terms of that bonus. So th- that gotcha. was their dead cap. Did so, spread out over so three million a year for three more years. That's right. Okay. So, so for Houston, it wasn't that big of a deal. Nine million to get rid of a quarterback who clearly couldn't handle it. <laughs> you know, wasn't that big of a dead cap hit. The, the the reason it was only nine million is the sixteen million dollar salary was fully guaranteed, but the Browns for some reason, <laughs> allowed themselves to take that on along with a second-round pick. So many – we've talked about this before, and it's been out there a lot. The Browns bought a second-round pick from Houston for $16 million. Okay? 
So that that's an that's something they could handle it because they could because they could afford it. But that's an example of it's almost like I have all this extra storage space. I can't fill it myself. Well, I'm going to sell you my storage space because you've run out of it. We'll see if it's worth anything this, with this draft coming up here. But it's a pretty mm. unbelievable move the Browns made, really, to take on the dead cap it. Um, so, so just to keep keep this going forward here. Obviously, that's an example of a, a traded player where dead cap splits. Right? It's yes. Salary goes to the new team. Signing bonus stays with the current team. And uh, they, both teams go from there. So they so the Browns took on sixteen million dollar yeah. cap hit yeah. last year. No, this year. For this year, yeah. For for two thousand eighteen, yeah. For by but then they no. paid a sale. Sorry, twenty seventeen. For yep. twenty seventeen, yep. because they cut him, but they basically had to pay a salary and take. But the they cap were a the team salary. with no high price players that couldn't even sniff filling all of their caps so it was a it was a right. brilliant decision but because it, the money was guaranteed they had to pay him yeah no matter where he played yep and they took the cap hit on it and he ends up going back to denver and denver i think paid him meal money okay so let's but, talk about that that's actually my next point it's perfect um so yes so essentially cleveland took on 16 million they cut him september 1st which means 16 million hits their dead cap right the only the only relief they were able to get is that $16 million comes with what's called an offset, which is exactly what it sounds like. It means if he goes and signs a contract somewhere else, which is what he did in Denver, any, any salary he signs for with the new team is subtracted from the Browns' dead cap, right? That's the offset of it. So, yeah, he signed a $775,000 contract in Denver, the minimum, the veteran minimum, and that money was reduced to the Browns' dead cap. So the, the Browns actually had a $15.225 million dead cap hit for Brock Osweiler last season for him to play as a Denver Bronco. Yeah, I mean, make it simple. If he had signed, if he had signed for $8 million, if he had signed for $8 million, then the Browns would have only been on the hook for the other eight because the, the other eight That's would right. have rolled it in the new team just to make it it's simple That's math. Right, and, right. And yeah. These offsets are becoming popular, too, so this is actually an important advice. And I think what's interesting, Mike, is that teams that – this is much more like the way baseball plays it. Teams that have cap space are now marketing the cap space – as available to make your life easier. And again, to use the analogy, my garage is full. You have an empty garage. How much can I buy part of your garage for? Well, the Browns certainly didn't have players that anybody wanted to trade for. Right. So this was really their only, you know, sexy option out and there. Young, and yeah. young rebuilding teams that have gutted their <laughs> roster of high-priced guys are going to always be in a position to maybe do this. Right. So but, this is a scenario where we talked about teams that have dead cap allocated, Right. If you can handle it, dead cap can be profitable. If you can get draft which picks for it. Which is what the Cleveland Browns yeah. have shown. The I think it was a great the, move. The Browns haven't done a lot right, but this was a scenario where they used their their terrible roster that turned into a lot of cap space really well, I think. This will be one, you know, this is like going to Disney World for me. Yeah. Like, how much do I got to pay to get in? Uh, to, you, know, <laughs> you don't want to know. Sticker yeah, shock. Brock Osweiler had oh, a very know, good Paul. year. That's yeah. what we know. We know Brock Osweiler had a very good year. Yes, he did. He Brock played... Osweiler's not worrying about the price of tickets <laughs> to Disney World. Right. And, and everybody knew at the time of the trade that Cleveland really had no interest in keeping him. And I, it, that's what was so unusual about it, because it was really the first time ever in NFL where you knew a team that was trading for a guy had no interest in, in his, they had no plans for him on the field. I, I'm shocked they didn't keep him. I'm honestly shocked they didn't keep him. 
Just because, right? I don't know that they ever intended to keep him. I mean, they gave him the summer. Yeah, why not? Well, yeah. I, is, he's not better than Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan? I, I, I you, got, you, you have to get the sense that they had very little. They had a 10% interest in keeping him and a 90% interest in getting a second round pick to trade away their unused cap space, right? Well, they used plenty of it on him. So that's the whole point here. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So really, in terms of dead cap, the only other thing to talk about, and Kevin, you kind of spoke to it a little bit. The, the, there is another condition, right? And it's called the June 1st scenario, right? And we hear about it a lot this time of year. You're going to hear about it more as a few players who are released are designated as a post-June 1st release. What does this mean? It's, it's pretty simple, right? So the, the, the league, the CBA has sort of identified June 1st as this midpoint in terms of the offseason. And what it means is any, any transaction that's processed after June 1st the dead cap is able to be spread over two seasons, right? Mm. So let's take Osweiler. Let's say Osweiler was traded to the Browns June 30th instead of in March, right? June 30th, so after June 1st. So what, is, what happens with the numbers we spoke to before? So there's $9 million in signing bonus left. That stays with Houston. But because Houston made the move after June 1st, the $3 million for 2017 stays in 2017 as dead cap, the remaining six million becomes dead cap in 2018 now. So had they traded him after June 1st, it would the nine million would have split into three million in 17, six million in 18, and they can go from there. So it's a way, in a sense, to limit your dead cap for the current year, and that's really the, the the purpose to use it. When this first came up, you actually had to wait until June 1st to do it, and then they yeah. changed the rule where you said you can release a guy in March and designate him. How many designations does each team get? You get two. Wait, they may have changed that to unlimited now. I'm going to have to look into okay. that, and I will, I will tweet because that. Because you're going to hear about that. that. You're going to hear guys are going to get released yeah. before the league year on March 14th, and they're going to be designated as June 1st releases. Um, and, and all it really is is it just a, it's just a cap maneuver. Yeah, and the reason they did that, obviously, is for the players' purpose. Because they don't want to sit around and wait right. when they know they're going to get cut. Because that's, right. that's what was happening. Guys knew they were going to get cut, yeah. but they're sitting there waiting till June while the whole market is filling up. That's right. They weren't able to sign on a team because they weren't available. Can they make this simpler? No, seriously. Oh, no. no, I mean, no. Wait till we start talking NBA stuff. <laughs> your your minds are going to explode. No, they can't make it. So. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm just... all right. So so now as you've run, they all could the, make it simpler. They could. They just refused. To. As you've run all the numbers, that means you now have the ability to put together a list of the largest dead cap players in NFL history. And don't give them all away because I'm not some, giving any no, of them away. There, there's like. There's it's some, a pretty interesting list. Yes, that's what I was going to say. You need to go and look at the list at SpotTrack.com. You can give away the biggest two. Well, I'll give you, I'll give yeah. you this. The, the Brock Osweiler deal we just talked about is fourth. So, wow. Right. So there are three guys ahead of Brock Osweiler's $15.2 million that, that top this list. So, yeah, we, we, we've compiled this and, over the last uh, six seasons, seven seasons, actually. And there are some names here that you will know. There are some names here that you will understand why they're here, and there are a few that's definitely going to surprise the you. The knee-jerk reaction on this list is these were all – my thought is these were all horrible, awful, terrible contracts. Is that necessarily true? I think maybe uh, except for one. I, I think the, 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 the second-ranked guy there, I think that, that was, was a – circumstance. That was, that was a health issue, but also a, uh, an issue where the team just got better. I think the guy right? sixth on your list, that was a circumstance one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a few of, of course, those. Of course, yes. Yeah, there's a few of those. Right. But okay. mostly, yeah. they're, mostly they're just bad contracts. Junky contracts. They're bad, bad contracts structure. of giving way more money, given to players who yeah. never played to that level. Thus, teams had to get rid of them. Thus, these incredible amounts of cap space. You, you know what else is also? like you, 
Well, you were up all night doing this, by the way. Um, <laughs> Why? Do you see anything spelled wrong? No, <laughs> no. Accurate, I'm saying but... no. I'm saying like there's a t- lot of work put in this. Yeah. Like, football fans need to look at this team totals, dead cap totals since 2013. Same point here, right? Unbelievable. Teams to right? give out bad contracts. Um, yeah, but there's yeah, like there's one. I'll well, I'll say two good teams in that list out of the five, right? The top five teams you have. I'm looking at the play. Yeah, um, the top five teams you have in the total dead cap money there. Let's go through the first. Go two. through them. Let's go through it. Well, the, we will give these so, away. The so, Saints. Yeah, the Saints. I think they're a good team. The Saints top list, and they have been good. But the problem is their quarterback. They've tried great. to stay good. They, they've they have fought like hell with their cap to stay relevant. They really have. I mean, yes. they, yeah, they paid their quarterback top dollar back when they needed he needed a contract, um, and they've been suffering ever since. And and. They've made some bad defensive signings. Let's just be Jarris frank. Jarris Bird is there the one that comes to mind because yeah. they yeah. kept changing defensive systems. So a coach comes in and says, I need a new safety. Go give Jarris Bird a lot of money. The, the real problem with the Saints was obviously a, a few swing and misses. And, and the Breeze contract was a little bit guardy. I mean, they could have structured that a little bit better had they had a little bit better sense to do so. But to me, the biggest thing is they refuse to get younger anywhere. They, I mean, they just sort of rolled with this core, and, and they and no no man off the island. I, you know, and that just doesn't work in a cap system. You have to be able to be flexible and fluid, and you have to decide that he that that cap is just not going to work. And what they did instead is they restructured. They restructured and restructured and restructured and restructured, and that meant more and more dead cap. And that's why they sit atop this list. The Browns, the Bills, <laughs> yeah, no. The 49ers, bad teams. No surprises, no complaints, right? right? Bad teams that were – and and take it a step further, Mike. Not only bad teams, bad teams that continued to churn front offices and head coaches, which then meant a new head coach comes in and changes his defense, says, I don't have a nose tackle. Get me a nose tackle. Pay whatever you got to do to get one. And and that's the thing, right? Because – And then he's gone two years ago, and the new defensive coach runs a 4-3 and says, get rid of that nose tackle you paid all that money to. Well, that's that's the only option because – in order to have a lot of dead cap like this, you have to have big contracts. And if you have big contracts, it probably assumes you have good players. But that's not the well, case. Well, or you had to that's overpay to get players to come to places where there hasn't been a lot of winning. I think when you look at those middle teams, Browns, Bills, 49ers, yeah. they've overpaid in order to get players to come to a place where there wasn't much to play. There wasn't much appeal. You, By the way, you are definitely not dead in this conversation. He is fired up. <laughs> I am. I like talking cap. about this I, stuff. I, I, I agree. Um, you have by position – Dead cap by position, yeah. and you know, obviously, the bigger contracts uh, happen in those skill positions, and you, you see there. But that clearly, they are paying long snappers correctly in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, we didn't leave them out. But I we can't believe there out. is dead cap money on a long snapper. Like, hey, now, I, now, how much of that? In, in all seriousness, um, I like who is John Dornbus the situation? Yeah, I mean, there was there's a few right? names out there who, yeah. I mean, really, the, the deal with that this is... This is a medical situation in the trade. Yeah. yeah. The, the deal there is, though, you know, I don't want to have to think about those guys too much. So right. it's, it, give them a five-year contract with a nice signing, <laughs> decent signing bonus, and they're happy and we're happy. Because, I mean, those are guys you don't want to turn over is really right. what happens. So they need a stable contract. You just contract. want them to bend over, stay bend over, snap the football. <laughs> we're getting off topic. Ooh, <laughs> yes, we are. It's a long snapper. It's what they do. They what snap do, the football. What does the position Jeez. list tell you, Mike? It, it tells me two things, right? Kevin made a point. Yeah, obviously your your, your skill positions, your wide receivers, your, your quarterbacks, and then your pass rushers, they're going to be at the top of the list, right? Um, in terms of just dead cap because the contracts are bigger. So to cut them after year three, like a lot, a lot of uh, – teams are always grasping for them too sometimes. That's right. There's a lot of turnover. 
Um, but what we're seeing with a few of the middle positions here in the middle of this list, running backs, inside linebackers, tight ends especially, um, we're seeing a little bit more dead cap annually on those positions. Why? Because they're getting turned over like crazy, right? Mm. You're not signing one elite running back anymore. You're signing four at a decent price. You're signing two tight ends, maybe three, to, to fill out your roster every year. Um, and inside linebackers, there's no more massive contracts there anymore, right? Those are those guys are all, if they're not already cut, they're going to be cut in the next two weeks. And those are turning into mid-level deals, which, you know, will come with a lot of guarantees because, because it's an important position, but it can't be a high-paid position anymore. Same with the running back. We skipped over one thing that I want you to give a quick comment on is the sure. teams that have the fewest yeah. dead cap money tend to be the teams not only that win consistently, but that avoid free agency in massive in, – in, they, they draft and, and, and develop. You know, you know what I thought about this list? I, I mean, outside of Green Bay, who – I mean, obviously with the Aaron Rodgers factor, they're, they're contending every year, Right. And Denver, Denver's in the top five of this list as well in terms of least dead cap. They had a couple of good years in the Peyton years, right? But the other teams, they're good, but they're not great. And I think that says something. I think it says something about a team that refuses to take on dead cap, which you know Cincinnati and the Chargers and the Vikings have done skillfully, by the way. I mean, I mean these contracts have been structured well. They've got nice players, and the, the, these nice players have good team-friendly contracts, which is a plus to them, right? But it, it, I think there's a point to be made about taking no risks, right? Because you have, you have to be able to say, okay, we need to get better at this position, and to do so, it may mean overpaying. That doesn't mean you have to be, have bad structure, which, you know, again, leads to dead cap a lot in, in certain instances as well. But I, but I think in terms of, like, the Chargers, you know, they've got some positions they probably could have gone out in terms of free agency and, and spent a little money for. So th- there's, a, there's, a, there's purpose to be paused with – too much caution in terms of how these contracts are structured as well. And yeah, let's not forget one thing. We've talked about Green Bay and they're at the bottom of this list. They're always at the bottom of this list, by the way, because they don't spend in free agency. However, they have a new GM right now for the first time in a long time. And I think they're a very interesting team to watch in the next month or so, especially with Aaron Rodgers needing a new contract. And I think they're going to cut at least one of their wide receivers, probably Randall Cobb. Um, So in terms of dead cap, they may – Creep up a and keep bit. in mind, if they do want to get into the free agency market, Green Bay generally will have to pay more That's than right. the market rate in order to get guys to want to come to Green Bay, which is part of the reason why they've always taken that philosophy of staying away from free agents, yeah. drafting and developing, because then you don't have to convince anybody to go want to live in yeah, Green I mean, Bay. you got to ride your bike to training camp practice there. All right. That's a joke for those who follow. All right. Anyways, um, Paul, calm down. Before I, we I'm get calm, I no, love talking about this stuff with Mike. I, I know you do. Just just calm down, and we'll get you settled before we talk about the next thing. Time now for the contract of the week. All right, Mike, it's time for our contract of the week, and it's a contract that was just signed towards the end of last week and seems to have everybody all worked up a little bit. I don't know why. Maybe you'll tell us why, but the Jaguars make the decision to extend the contract of Blake Bortles to keep him around when some people thought or maybe they think they should have moved on from him. Um, They obviously decided to go the other way, and some of that is protecting the asset that they've drafted and developed and things, but but does the contract – what do we draw from what contract extension he signed? Well, I, I think the issue, by the way, with the general public and maybe even some experts is that four months ago, Blake Bortles was off this team, 
I mean, I don't even think it was an argument. I mean, he was playing, he was so inconsistent and he had been for so many years, you know, coming off that first round pick that there was no way 19 million was going to happen this year, which is what the option would have cost Jacksonville. Um, obviously they, he pushed them into the playoffs and they're in a situation where they're sort of in limbo because obviously the defense is ready to win. Um, they've already made some moves to, to sort of, in, you know, instantiate themselves in terms of having some availability for the, the free agent market to get a little better offensively. Um, they've got to sign a wide receiver. I, I just think at the end of the day, um, and there's a few teams out there that sort of have this discussion. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, ripping up the quarterback position and starting over didn't make it didn't make much sense from a, from a football standpoint, even if financially they might, you know, burn a few bridges here in terms of the next two years. All right. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of this. And really, it's, it's another conversation about dead cap, because that's really where we're going to stand next year. Um, it's an 18 million per year deal. It's the Brock Osweiler deal, right? Um, there's 26 and a half guaranteed, which if you think about the 19, he was going to have guaranteed already. Anyway, we're talking about seven and a half million more to keep your quarterback for really what I think is going to be two years. Um, how, how is it not two years? So that's the conversation. That's the interesting part of this con- this, this contract. I, I don't understand why people are up in arms about it. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. He played great in the playoffs. But, he, but it's every other week, I think, is what people okay, look at. Okay, so you with. win eight games at least with your quarterback. So yeah. your defense is great there. they got to win another three for you. You only get 11 wins. I, I, think that's, I think that's exactly <laughs> where they got to. I really do. I think that's yeah. exactly where they got to. Um, that ripping it up and starting over was going to be minus three wins, probably, right? I mean, they yeah. take themselves out of contention. So. And what would it have cost them to go get his replacement? Yeah, right. I mean, Either in trade assets, if they wanted to try to pull Eli Manning from the Giants, or cost to sign a free agent. Yeah, so essentially they've, they're paying $26.5 million, you know, for upfront in upfront guarantees. If you're thinking you're going to get Cousins, that number is 60. You know, that number is yeah. at least 60. So to me, that was never going to be in the equation unless they made a huge move. You know, the, the only the only other option, I think, would have been a trade, you know, for a, a player like Eli Manning or, or even a Tyrod Taylor, which is it's arguable if he's even better than Blake Bortles. So that would have been a move they could have made in terms of, you know, limiting the amount of money they were bringing in, obviously the dead cap hit and things like that. Let's let's start with this. They, they could have gotten out of Bortles for nothing. You know, up until March 14th, Bortles' 19 million was absolutely not guaranteed. So, as long as he passes physical, they could release him for zero dead cap. So, this was a this is a football decision, and really, the way that the money breaks down is he's going to make 20 million this year in terms of a 15 million dollar signing bonus, which, as we just discussed, breaks out five million over the next three years, uh, and he's getting a five million dollar salary, which means a 10 million dollar cap hit, which is nine million less than where they were when they started. So obviously that's a part of this. I mean that's that's a big deal. That nine million represents their draft pool. So or lets know, them re-sign Allen Robinson, the wide receiver. Another big part of this, right? They they made two releases as of right now. I think there's another one coming. Um, that's really going to allow them the flexibility to give either a, a franchise tag to Allen Robinson, which we've talked about last week, or some sort of multi-year contract that allows them to, to you know to lock him in as their number one receiver going forward. All right. So who's, who's going to be released? Um, I think there's a few guys defensively. Um, I think they're going to let a few guys walk, which is going to be a big deal too. Uh, but I believe the wide receiver, Alan Hearns is probably the next guy on the market. He, uh, 
he represents like seven million in savings. He's been bat- injured a little bit, um, really inconsistent in terms of production. And, and really, they had a bunch of rookies that they played yeah, because of their yeah. injuries this year that that were okay. Yeah, I think Dede Westbrook pretty much supplanted him in terms of that role, as, as long as they've got a legitimate number one, which Allen Robinson would be. So to me, that's the next move in terms of uh, cap casualties with Jacksonville. But really, this Bortles contract comes down to next year. And here, here's the discussion. There's six and a half million guaranteed on that salary next year. It's a sixteen million dollar salary, but six and a half million guaranteed. But as we just discussed with the Osweiler situation, that six and a half guaranteed it has offsets. So what does this mean? This means Bortles is terrible for for 2018. They missed the playoffs. It's a disaster, right? They want to get out of it. They release him next offseason this time of year. They take on a sixteen point five million dollar dead cap hit to do so. Right, ten million in, in signing bonus that's left over, six and a half million on the salary, because it has offsets. Let's say he comes and, and becomes the backup quarterback in Buffalo for three million. Right, that three million now comes off the six and a half. So now their now their dead cap is thirteen point five million or twelve point whatever it's gonna right be. now he'd be the starting quarterback in Buffalo. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole, that's really a similar situation in terms of you know needing a bridge quarterback and having one and who knows what they're going to do. But um, yeah, the, so so there's a way to get out next year. There is an offset on that guarantee. If if you're living with you know. 10, 11, 12 million in dead cap to get rid of a guy who you know isn't your future at that point, that's fine. But I think I think all signs point to this being two years, $36 million. There's nothing guaranteed after that. They can either extend into a, a monster deal at age 28, you know, if they, if if, the, if he turns out to be the guy they think he was, for, you know, four and a half years ago, then, you know, giving him the deal at 28 should be no problem at all. I mean, that's, that's where they want to be, I think, with this situation. But if they have to get out, they can get out next year. It's going to cost them a little bit. But after 19, they can absolutely get out for a, re- a really nice savings. So it's a nice deal to get them where they need to be in 2018. If it works out decently, they can carry him to, through 2019. They can make a, a decent playoff stretch run with this really good defense and uh, what looks like to be a better offense going forward. All right, great stuff on the Bortles contract. And we are getting into that season, free agency. It's around the corner here. Anything but dead when it comes to all this stuff. That's for true. It's pretty <laughs> pretty alive here. One of the great tools at SpotTrack.com is market value uh, on players. That's new. Check it out, especially as we go to free agency. It's a cool thing, too, when you look at any team. It's got uh, their free agents on the right side and their market value. So that's a great thing to track also there at SpotTrack.com. For Mike Gennetti and Paul Peck, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to the SpotTrack.com podcast.